0: We are in the Gospel of Mark, part two. That's what it says in the bottom of your bulletin. If you're new with us, uh, relatively speaking, we started the Gospel of Mark last September. Took a break in November and December, and we started the middle of the Gospel of Mark in a series titled, The Struggle is Real. So if you have a copy of the Bible, let's look at today's passage. It's in Mark chapter 7. The middle section, which is where this Focus of this series is Mark chapter 7, and we will read verses 14, or I'll read verses 14 through 23. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23, in a message titled Living from the Inside Out. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowds and entered the house, his disciple asked, asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go in their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. I uh, sat down this week with a guy who wanted to uh, meet, set up an appointment with me, and we we're just kind of telling me, um, before we got going, his life story. And in the, in the early part of our gathering, he said something about his life story that really stuck with me, right, even later. And he said this, talking about just his, his growing up years, and he said, um, he said, Pastor Rob, when I was young, young kid, maybe a pre-adolescent, he said, my mother said to me, you will never amount to anything and then he said this she said he remembered this she said you're gonna be one of those guys who ends up cutting keys at phase okay which if you are old enough to know that was a drugstore here uh, many moons ago okay but I just thought to myself right we went on but I thought what a, what a, what a um, powerful thing to say to someone, right? I mean, to say to your child, your eight or ten-year-old, you will never amount to anything. Think that, and he remembered that, right? Here is 25 years later, whatever it was, he's remembering. I wasn't asking him questions about his upbringing. He was just sort of sharing me in a short way his life. And, he's, and he remembered that thing that his mother said to him. Now, as I thought about it later, I was just thinking about my own life. Like this guy, I, um, uh, part of his story grew up in a, in a single-parent household. I lost my dad when I was um, very young, died uh, when I was very young. But I, But this is the difference between one thing that was different. I thought to myself, you know, my mother, she was... Um, you know, uh, not perfect like no mother is, but my mother, I could not ever imagine my mother ever saying those words to me. I mean, she was, she would, she was very encouraging when it came to, you know, what you're going to do with your life, you know. Uh, she, no matter what it was, you know, I want to be a rock star. Okay, great, you know, you, I, I support you. I would never imagine my mother ever saying those words uh, to me that was this man's mom said to him. However as i thought more about what he said, right? even though my mother never said that to me, i don't remember anyone, teacher, student, brother, sister, i have five older siblings, i don't remember anyone ever saying those words to me. however, to be honest with you this morning, i do know that i thought those thoughts about myself more than one time over the course of my young life, right? You'll never amount to anything. And what Jesus affirms here, right? I sort of started in the middle of this passage for sake of time is this. He might have a difference of opinion upon how uh, with with the religious leaders on the fact that all of us are defiled, right? That all of us feel like there's something wrong with us. Or there's something just, you know, that's not, that doesn't, I I just have this sense of unworthiness either before God or even before other people. He has a difference of opinion on why. But what Jesus is affirming, if I take him at face value in verse 15, is that all people are defiled, right? And it's nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person, a person, that defiles them. Here's the point. Feeling defiled, feeling like there's something fundamentally wrong with me, that I'm unworthy, let's say, of, if not God's acceptance, also uh, acceptance of other people. According to Jesus, it's a universal problem. And there's no differentiation. Right? He doesn't say, he doesn't say um, rather, what comes out of a uh, white person... What comes out of a woman? What comes out of a black person? What comes out of a Jewish person? What comes out of a religious person? What comes out of an American, right? There's no differentiation. What comes out of a person, all people defiles them, right? So here's what he's saying. Listen, some people in this room, and I know some of you, some of you actually had very good parents, Maybe Christian parents who loved you and nurtured you and encouraged you. And, you know, what, I, what this man heard that I met with, I mean, that never would even, you would never dream of hearing that from your parents. I mean, you couldn't even imagine it, you know, ever saying that. Some of you had very good parents who encouraged you, even pointed you to maybe faith in Jesus. Some of you had not so good parents, right? Um. But all of us have, uh, as Jesus says, are defiled regardless, right? I have some, a couple of my small group the other day. I um, mean, it was a week or two ago. And we were, I don't know even know what we were talking about. Somehow we got talking about... Um, just maybe someone's problems in the group, and we're just praying for each other. In this this couple that I know, the woman said to me, she said, "You know, you know, I'm the pastor, her pastor, but uh, uh, you know, I've known her and her husband for a long time." She goes, she goes, you know, she goes, "It must be true. Is it true? You know, that that you sometimes people are just talking to you about their problems, right? That's what you part of what you do for a living. Are there ever times where you just want to just you just want to shout out and just speak out and go, listen, friend, I have no clue how to help you, you know." <laughs> She said, have you ever, you must have thought that. And I said, <laughs> I looked her in the eye and I said, only with you. Uh, <laughs> all right, now, all, the, 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 the truth is, all of us are defiled. But here's what's interesting. Here's my point. What Jesus is saying here, this is profound, okay, the struggle. What is the real struggle? Jesus is saying this, the true source of our defilement, right? And what I mean by defilement, again, is I'm not good enough. Uh, Either something fundamentally wrong with me, right? A feeling that I have or that you have. Does not come from another person. And it does not come at all from the outside world. Another person in your life could be a parent, could be a friend, could be an old boyfriend, could be an old girlfriend, could be a criminal, could be a predator. Another person in your life can exacerbate the problem, Another person or a circumstance, a bad circumstance, a health reversal, a job thing, you know, an earthquake, another circumstance can bring those things to the surface in your life. But Jesus says, if we take him at his word, nothing, nothing outside a person That's nothing. No other person, no other thing, no other TV show, no other experience, no other, I didn't make the basketball team, she said no, I lost the job, I'm too short, I'm not good looking, whatever the case may be, nothing outside a person can defile them, right? It's pretty profound. Here's the point. Many of you know this, especially those of you who have kids. You don't tell your first lie right remember everyone knows you know their first time your 4 year old tells you a lie or something i don't know you don't tell your first lie and then become a sinner you tell your first lie because you are a sinner okay this is pretty important and it's not just important for children and how we think about children it's important how we think about ourselves why is this important to know okay that we all have a feeling that we are defiled it's, it's important to know because, this is the heart of the passage, because of our struggle, the struggle is real, to get clean, right? Because the truth is, I don't care how rich you are, how sophisticated you are or aren't, or I am or aren't, all people are defiled. That is, they don't feel good enough. They feel that there's fundamentally something wrong with them. It's part of the human condition, is what Jesus is saying. And But what, what we are all doing, Christians and non-Christians, is we're trying to come up with strategies to get clean. Right? And Jesus wants to say to his disciples, and I want to say to you as modern disciples, what, are you, what kind of strategies are you working? Right? Because even the disciples, once again, in this passage, get it wrong. The middle section of Mark's gospel, the, the, where, we, where we've framed this series, The Struggle is Real, Jesus is trying to, it's a snapshot of really seeing Jesus in intimate relationships with his disciples through various um, challenges, the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, healing people, dealing with criticism. He's trying to teach them and teach us, who are disciples, this this is where we find ourselves in the picture, what it means to follow him. And what he's trying to say to his disciples is, listen. I want, to, I want to encourage you about what the real struggle is. Because many people, not only outside the church, but guess what? Inside the church, this whole passage, it's a little debate and controversy, he's doing it with religious people. This is our insider conversation. And many people, including many church people, are fighting the wrong things in their lives. We're spending our best energies trying to, you know, um, manage the, the challenges in our life. We're fighting the wrong things. We're putting our best energies at the wrong things. You know, you know as, as Paul will say in Ephesians, you know, we struggle not against flesh and blood. We're putting all our energies in a certain way. It's not really focused on the real struggle. And as a result, we're not making any progress in our life. Right? And that's what Jesus is warning against here. The struggle to get clean. Here's the big idea. It's very, it's so simple, you know, it, it could be, um, it couldn't be any simpler, but I would, I would challenge to say, simple doesn't mean that you do it, right? Here's the principle. Working from the outside in will not work, right? If you're trying to deal with the fundamental defilement in your life, that is to say, the underlying feeling. Even if your parents never said it to you, that you're not good enough, that there's something fundamentally broken about you, and you see this is and, and you're trying to fix it from the outside in, it is a broken strategy. There is a there is a controversy that starts this. I didn't read it for sake of time. You could read the whole chapter if you have some time. And the controversy that Jesus, you know, makes this declaration in verse 15: nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them, rather it's what comes out of a person that defiles them, is based on an earlier controversy. And the controversy has to do with the religious leaders looking at Jesus' disciples who are not washing their hands before they eat now. You might say, that is so silly. And these people, they're they're always focused on the wrong thing. But before you get too quick to judge the religious leaders... He's not just saying, you know, we looked in the window and we saw at 6 o'clock this family, Peter's family, wasn't washing their hands for dinner. That's not what he's saying. He says in the opening paragraph, I didn't read it, but he says, when it comes to ceremonial washing, verse 3, the disciples aren't doing it. So this isn't just some willy-nilly, you know, they don't do, they don't do what we do in my home. What they're saying is the Old Testament did have very strict um, prescriptions for how you worship God, and as people came to come to the house of God, it was called a temple, not a church building, there was a series of washings that took place, and it all had to do with preparing yes your body and your heart to meet with god so the 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 um, religious leaders were not you know uh, completely off base here. But what you would say, I hope, and what I would say is, well, Pastor, that's a very interesting little history lesson. But when Jesus Christ, who came and, and he brought true salvation to us and he fulfilled many of the laws of the Old Testament, he's a fulfillment of the law. You and I don't need to worry about many of those um, Old Testament prescriptions for how to come and worship God. And I would say you are absolutely right. Right, I hope that you before you come to church you take a shower. But if you didn't, it's okay, okay? Okay? So you're absolutely right. However, here's the point Jesus is making. Many of us nevertheless, right? Even though we know that, we practice our faith in the very same way that is either we're non-Christians seeking to gain God's acceptance or we are Christians who are trying to gain a deeper favor of God in our lives, um, doing it the old way, right? We think that we can do things. It's about what we do with our lives, right? And the one in this case is washing their hands, I don't know what yours are. or things that we proudly say we don't do, right, like some other people do. But this is what we still put forth in our desire to want to gain God's acceptance or to deepen in our walk with Jesus. Jesus says, I didn't read it, but it's on the text if you want to read it. In his response to the criticism of his disciples, he says this, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He means his words. As it is written, now listen carefully. Is this your story? Is it mine? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me Okay, this is the condition that Jesus is warning about and it is not unique to people in the Old Testament these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me the real struggle Jesus is saying in this passage is on the level of our hearts in all the good deeds that you and I might do or all the bad deeds that you and I might choose not to do, right, by themselves, don't, cannot touch the human heart, right? It cannot touch your biggest problem, which is self-centeredness and self-absorption. My biggest problem, which is self-centeredness and self-absorption, right? Just as well as there's nothing outside a person that can defile them, there's nothing outside a person that can heal them, right? This is what Jesus is saying in this passage. Which is also, by the way, right, the real struggle cannot be made better from the outside in, right? It's also why politics is also not the answer, okay? Which is, sadly, many Christians, not going to Pick anybody out here this morning, but that's but many Christians still believe that it is okay. Now, let me say something to you. I don't if you know if you've been around a while you know i not I don't talk a lot about politics. I care about them. I do my thing, right? But I don't think the gospel is realized in politics. That's why your pastor doesn't talk about it much. But let me say this to you, okay? Only because we just elected a new president, who's a tad controversial, I hear. You know, okay? all right. Number one, I don't really care what you think about Donald Trump. I mean, in the sense of if you love him or like him, you voted for him or not. You shouldn't care what I think about Donald Trump. That is to say, whether I voted for him, I didn't vote for him, or I I got a picture of him in my bathroom or something, okay? (laughs) Uh, You shouldn't care. But I will tell you this. I didn't watch the inauguration live. I watched it later on uh, in the internet. But at 12.15 or something, I was in Malibus. I took a break from what I was doing, just by myself. And I prayed for him. And I prayed for his administration. And I hope you do that too, okay? I think that's important. But let me say this. Let me talk about politics just for 30 seconds, okay? You would, you would not be surprised. I'm a pastor. I'm generally speaking conservative. Okay, whatever that means, right? Generally speaking. But I would say this to you. That's no surprise to you. I can say this with all of my heart. Conservatism is not the answer, okay? Because conservatism, it's from the outside in. So do I want our country to be better? Yes. Do I want to? Of course I want good for our country and for your kids and for this in our community. Of course I do. But it's not the answer. Because there's nothing outside of a person right, that can defile him. That means there's nothing outside of a person in this world that can solve their fundamental problems, right? It's just not, it's, it's not gonna make a difference to the real problem. That's what Jesus is talking about. Verse 20, he has to kind of say it twice. He went on, right? I'm so glad Jesus goes on because we're so dull, right? <laughs> Are you so dull? That's his words, not mine, right? He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. He's right? going to give you some deeper understanding of this truth. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, right? That's the problem. Soak that in. Happy New Year, you know. <laughs> All right, soak that in. Not to make you feel bad, but it's about understanding what the real struggle is. That's the point, right? It's not about making you feel bad. It's trying to understand what the real struggle is in our lives. The answer to the uncleanness in my life is, Pastor, you have uncleanness in your life? You're not sinless? You don't walk on water? No. (laughs) Okay, I'm sure you didn't need to know that, or you didn't need to wonder that. The answer to the uncleanness in my life, the answer to the uncleanness in your life, the answer to the uncleanness, the defilement, not feeling like I'm good enough, not feeling like I'm worthy enough. That's what I mean by defilement. For the people around you in your life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it, right? And the best and only way to reach myself in deeper transformation and to reach others is through the power of a transformed life, okay? And that only happens when, my final point, when we learn to live from the inside out, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. There are many Christians, many Christians, maybe some of us, who still haven't figured this out, we're still trying to gain God's acceptance or trying to deepen our appreciation of what it means to be a Christian, to see the power of God come in our lives through things outside of ourselves, right? How we live our lives, what we do, what we choose not to do, right? We think this gains us favor with God and we are living uh, in the wrong way. It's not going to achieve what you think it's gonna achieve, what I am think it's gonna achieve. You know, the interesting thing about the Bible, as a Christian, two things. We come to the Bible, in one sense, to learn more about God. That's true, right? We're doing that this morning to a degree. We come to learn about God, but also we come to the Bible to experience God, right? I hope you believe that. We come to the Bible to learn about him, but to truly experience him. Jesus Christ is present in his word. And it is his word and his spirit that brings about transformation in my life. And what Jesus says here, this is is an amazing, amazing, powerful moment in the scriptures, caught in just a parenthesis. Every word's important in the Bible, right? For it doesn't, verse 19, Jesus is still trying to unpack this principle. For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and out of the body. This whole idea about what, now watch the parenthesis. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean, right? He's saying something pretty fundamental here. The drawing near to, you know, the the, the, the Pharisees, they had it right when they were worried about washing of hands. Because drawing near to God is serious business. God is holy, right? You know the thing called the temple, the Holy of Holies, the Old Testament church, so to speak? There was an outer court, an inner court, and then what they called the most holy or the inner inner court. In the inner inner court, right, where they said the presence of God was in some way, they call it the Shekinah glory, those of you who know the Old Testament. Only one person could go into the inner court only one time a year. It's called the high priest. And he would go in there. He had elaborate washings and elaborate, uh, uh, you know, cleanliness. And he would go in there just to sprinkle blood on uh, the the, um, mercy seat there one time a year. That's how serious it was to draw near to God in the Old Testament. But in the sacrifice of Jesus, it's only in the sacrifice of Jesus that the real source of our defilement is dealt with, right? Right? Not only for non-Christians, but for Christians. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin for us. That means he was judged. He became sin for us, or the judgment for sin. Now watch this carefully. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Now what does that mean? He's saying, listen, in one sense... If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the moment you trust Christ in a true way, put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, He became sin for you. In some ledger in the sky, God writes your name in the book of life and you've been transferred in in some way from one destiny to another destiny. I believe that with all of my heart. However, yeah, amen, okay? But, however, that doesn't necessarily mean your life changed at all. Okay, He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Practical righteousness, right? Not only going from a person who was on their way to a godless hell to on their way to a eternity with God, that's one part. The other part is, now God make me and change me to be more like Jesus. Okay, that's another story. And what Jesus is trying to say here is what got you into the kingdom is what's going to help you advance in the kingdom, right? And there's nothing outside a person that's going to help you because your defilement is only a problem of your heart, right? It's of your heart. Back to my story. This friend said to me, he didn't didn't come in to tell me his backstory. We're just getting to know each other. But he said, Pastor, I, I want you to know something about me. He said, even though I had that very difficult, challenging upbringing, he said, I want you to know that I eventually went to a great college. He named it. When I was at that college, I met the woman that changed my life. I married her. And not only was she an amazing woman, she also led me over time to faith in Jesus. She's the one that led me to this church. We have three wonderful kids, and I want to tell you right now, almost tears, tears, despite my bad you know, starting point, God has truly blessed my life in an amazing way. I said, awesome, awesome. Now, to the point of why I'm in your office. The reason I'm in your office is because a month ago, I lost my job. First time in my life. You know, all's well. And he said, despite all these blessings, I'm finding myself, experiencing a level of emotions that I thought were gone, I found myself being really angry of, at all people, my wife, who's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I'm just coming to grips with trying to understand this moment that I'm in, right? That's what I said to him. Remember what you just said about those blessings that you received. If you didn't earn those blessings that got you to this moment where you're acknowledging, I'm only here because God picked me up and dropped me into this beautiful life. If you didn't earn those blessings that got you here, don't think for a minute you have to earn the blessings that are going to get you to the next place in your life, right? That's the key, right? This is what Jesus is saying. This is an opportunity, I said to him, for you to, I don't know what God's doing, but for you to, in a, manner, in a manner of speaking, preach the gospel to yourself, right? Don't make the mistake of what a lot of us do and go, I need to go figure, I, I, I need to go find out how I can get clean again. I need to go find out a way in which I can take my life back and figure out, you know, what do I need to do? Where do I need to wash So that I can gain God's acceptance? Where do I need to wash so I can gain God's favor, right? How can I earn favor with God? I said, don't make that mistake. This unanticipated anger is an invitation for you to do a deep, for God to do a deeper work in your heart. You didn't earn the blessings to get here. Don't try to earn the blessings to go where God is leading you. Your challenge, my challenge, is to invite God into a deeper work into our heart. My guess is there are many people in this room today, right? This could be me. I've been a a Christian for 30-something years. I'm a pastor, right? I'm confident there's people in this room today, many of you, some of you, who are struggling with an area of guilt in your life, right? Something that you've done that you've been carrying around in your life as a Christian or some of you something was done to you maybe last week maybe 30 years ago and you're carrying around that shame with you and you're continuing despite knowing better to try to wash that stain out of your life and what i want to tell you is there is nothing outside of yourself that caused the defilement fundamentally, and there is nothing in this outside world that can manage, deal with, eliminate, ameliorate that fundamental guilt or that fundamental shame except the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Amen, amen, amen. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. In saying this, Jesus declared you clean. That's the point. That's the point. So my challenge to you is this, back of the bulletin, right? But here's what he's saying. Here's what Jesus is saying in this whole passage. The law tells us, this law has a role in our life, what we ought to do. It's like an x-ray. It's an x-ray on my soul. The law tells us what we ought to do. Husbands, love your wives, you know. Uh, You know, Honor the government, whatever the case may be. Pay your taxes. The law tells us what to do. The gospel tells us what God has done. The law shows us we need to be forgiven. The gospel announces that we have been forgiven. You and I need to take time every single day. You've got to work the gospel into your life, right? It's not just a transaction. You've got to work it into your life. Jesus declared, Jennifer, you are clean, Oh, that thing that's bothering you, you are clean. That guilt that you're hanging around, you are clean. That thing that's hanging over your head, you are clean. That thing that happened to you when you were a kid, you are clean, right? Jesus declared it. You need to claim it. So do I. So the bottom, the last thing that says is this. Just for the small groups, but we can apply it here. Where do you need true cleansing in your life today, right? I don't know where it is for you, right? Maybe it's... A struggle of guilt, right? Maybe it's shame. But my encouragement to you is in a private prayer right now, claim the gospel in your life, claim the words of Jesus I have declared you.